Welcome to season nine of the Trust Show. Can't believe we already have 92 episodes behind us, eight seasons. And listen notes, uh, that is a podcast ranking uh, system, uh, just noted, noted that uh, this podcast, The Trust Show, is one of the top 3% most popular shows out of 3,075,671 podcasts globally. I'm very excited this week, uh, actually today, uh, three hours from now, McQuistion TV is going to air a program about uh, ChatGPT and uh, ethical issues around it. Uh, I took part in that uh, show. I was one of the guests. I talked about essentially something that I talked about in a previous uh, podcast episode. I'm also very excited that two weeks from today, I will be delivering my third TED Talk on a very similar topic. Again, it's ChatGPT in the classroom, and trust. But let's talk about today's episode, the first episode of the ninth season. My work in the Book of Trust, the Trust Show, and and Trust Habits workshops, including my keynotes and almost everything that I do, revolves around how to be more trusted. But how do you know if you are trusted or not? Most people will not simply tell you that they don't trust you. And the main reason is because they don't trust your reaction to when they say that. But those may be the people that you really want or need to be trusted by. So you really do want to know. In this episode, I will show you how to tell if you are trusted or not. Right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? I did a couple of uh, LinkedIn polls, which is something that I use a lot to uh, inform me on what's what's interesting to you. Uh, one of them was, uh, I asked this question, uh, when it comes to trust, what would you like to know more? How can I be more trusted? 28% of people said, how can I be more trusted? How to tell who I can trust, that was 67%, the majority. So that would likely be the topic of the next episode. And something else, uh, that was uh, 6%. And uh, as I told you before, I I really like the comments that I get because uh, they give me more insight than just a simple vote. And one of the comments I got was from a uh, new and recent friend of mine, uh, Fiona Passantino. Uh, She is in The Hague, uh, the Netherlands. She is actually originally from the U.S. And uh, she said, uh, how do I know if I'm trusted and how much? And I thought that was very insightful because I I talk about action, but action is driven by something that you learn, such as I'm not trusted enough or I'm trusted. Well, if I'm trusted enough, I don't need to take action. But If I'm not trusted enough, then I know that I need to take action. And so I I was intrigued by this comment, and therefore I decided this is actually going to be the topic of this episode. So how do you know if you're trusted? And then, as I said later, uh, I'll talk more about uh, in a later episode uh, how to tell 
who you can trust, because that was uh, interesting to most of you. One thing about Fiona, I'll talk about it later. I'm going to add another format to these uh, to this podcast, to future episodes. Uh, and that would be, it's not going to be an interview. I'm going to have a guest. It's not going to be interview. Fiona is going to be one of the first guests. So we're going to talk about uh, a topic. And I'll talk more about that at the end of this episode. Uh, but every now and then, I'm going to bring somebody who really knows the topic. And we're going to discuss that topic, obviously, in the context of trust. So I'm not interviewing them uh, about their life story and uh what made them who they are and, and so on. But it's going to be discussing a topic with an expert. Call it like that. So that was one of the polls. The The second poll, obviously, my, my focus here is on work, even though my work on trust is uh, related to, to a lot of different aspects of life. But the, the second LinkedIn poll asked this question. Who do you want to know if you are trusted by the most at work? So again, at the work context, so who is it that, that you care about being trusted? And it, it's not a matter of you care about, but you want to know. So it might be because you care about it the most. It might be because you don't know enough. Uh, 33% of the people who participated in that uh, poll said, uh, and I think we had 15 participants, so it's not a huge number. 33% said my boss, 33% said my peers, 20% said people who work for me, and then 13% said others, um, and you know whether it's clients and uh, customers and, and suppliers and, and others. Um, so I, I'm going to address the first three in this episode. Um, how do you know if you're trusted by your boss, by your peers, and by people working for you? And even more important, not how do you know if you're trusted by them, but how do you know if you're not trusted by them? Why is it important for you to feel trusted? I took some statistics uh, from Paul Zak uh, from his book, uh, The Trust Factor. Uh, he did a great research and study of uh, close to a thousand people uh, and asked about uh, high level of trust, uh, low level of trust. But, you know, if, if you're more trusted, you feel 74% less stress, 40% less burnout. You have 106% more energy, 60% you feel more joy at work. You feel 56% higher job satisfaction. You feel 66% closer to your colleagues, 76% higher engagement. And higher engagement is probably more important to the company than to you. But, you know, just look at the other things, why it's important to you. Uh, you know, the bottom line is uh, if you feel 50% more likely to stay another year and 88% more likely to recommend the company to friends and family, uh, that's uh, that's pretty significant. You know, that's that's kind of the outcome. That's, that's what happens. Again, the company benefits from it probably more by you staying another at least another year and, and you recommending others because it's hard to keep employees and hire new employees. 41% higher sense of accomplishment when, when you feel that you're trusted. And I have to, to be clear, Paul Zak talked about higher level of trust, period. Not necessarily that you're being trusted, but you being trusted is, is part of a higher level of trust. So I'm going to apply it there. Uh, from my own research, uh, when you're trusted, your boss is 67% more likely to give you autonomy. And, and we know that uh, 78%, that was another study done by the Hope Liverpool uh, Business School, uh, that 78% of people really want to be, uh, to get autonomy. 
and you're 67% more likely to get uh, higher autonomy if your boss trusts you. So that's important. Uh, in Within your team, if you're trusted, people are 106%, other members of the team are 106% more likely to give you the feedback that you need to hear rather than feed, that the feedback that they think you want to hear. You want to hear. Uh, 76% people are going to be 76% more receptive to feedback that you give them uh, if they trust you. If they trust that you're coming from uh, where um, you care about them. So um, that's pretty important. And uh, being trusted is, is important. So the fact that you're listening to this, the fact that uh, at least Fiona said, uh, I want to know if I'm trusted or not. And, and I'm sure that you do as well. You want to know if you're trusted. It's because being trusted is important for you to enjoy working, to, to be more effective in working, to feel that you're accomplished at work, uh, to not feel burned out and not feel that you just can't wait to get home, that, that it's just a job. So how do you know if a person at work trusts you or not? I mean, obviously, the easiest thing is to say, uh, I'm going to ask them. Just ask them. But here's the question. Will they tell? So remember that I told you, and this comes out of one of my own surveys, that if people trust you, they are 106% more likely to give you feedback. And, and it is, again, the feedback that you need to hear, not the feedback that they think you want to hear. So... If they trust you, there's a higher, much higher, more than double likelihood that they're going to give you that feedback. But it's a catch-22. The feedback that you need them to give you is that they don't trust you. But if they don't trust you, they're not going to give you that feedback. They will only give you the feedback that they don't trust you if they trust you in how you're going to take it. You see the catch-22 here? So it's a little problematic that... You're trying to ask the person that trusts you or, or you, you are trying to ask the person whether they trust you or not, but they would only feel comfortable enough telling you they don't trust you if they do trust you. Okay, I think I'm, I'm going in circles here. So this, is, this kind of takes out the should you just ask the other person, do you trust me or not? Now, I, I want you to keep in mind that some people, they're going to tell you to your face and it's not a matter that uh, it's not a matter of them uh, trusting you. It's a matter of them not caring about the consequences of whether it's hurting your feelings or how you're gonna take it. Um, I'm I'm gonna guess that I'm probably one of those people. I'm I'm gonna tell you to your face that I don't trust you um, because I don't really care. I don't see the risk to me, for example, being too high by saying that. Obviously, it's getting a little problematic if the person you're going to give that feedback to is your boss, you know, someone who controls your future. So it's a little more problematic with the boss, which, you know, uh, based on the survey that I conducted, uh, the poll that I conducted, that's one of the two you care about the most, uh, your boss. And so, it's a little hard to tell your boss, I don't trust you, but you want to know if your boss trusts you or not. And um, so that's that's a little different. Uh, your boss will feel probably a lot more comfortable telling you they don't trust you if you ask them than other people. 
because the risk to them is a little lower. Okay, so that's that's as far as asking the person you want to be trusted by whether they already trust you or not. So I want you to keep in mind that while some people may tell you that even when they don't trust you, but for most people, they need to trust you to give you that kind of intimate, hard point feedback. And so you may not get that answer simply by asking. So another possibility is to ask a third person, a third entity. Um, you know, so let's say that I want to know if I'm trusted by my boss or not. Who am I going to ask? Uh, I can ask somebody else on the team. I can ask somebody else who knows my boss and knows me well enough. Uh, somebody who's kind of, uh, I would say, as objective as possible. And so I can ask that person. But but there are several things I need to keep in mind. One is, do they have an agenda when they answer this question? And that's really important. I mean, if somebody has an agenda of telling you, yes, the your boss trusts you or no, um, are they saying that because that's the reality or because they want you to think that way? Either way, that, that, that your boss trusts you or, or not. Or the other person, whoever the other person you want to be trusted by or you want to know if you're trusted by, uh, the, the third person might have an agenda there. Uh, you have to ask yourself, do they really know if that other person um, trusts you or not? Or are they interpreting signals? And and it's not more than interpreting signals. Or, you know, they just don't know, but they, they speak with, with authority. So you think that their answer is the correct one. You have to ask yourself, uh, will they actually tell me? Do they trust me enough? So that third person, do they trust me enough in how I'm going to react if my, their answer is going to be, uh, no, that person, you want to know if they trust you or not. They don't. They don't trust you. They may be afraid. The third person may be afraid of uh, getting in the middle of this. And so uh, they're just, you know, are not going to tell you the truth. Uh, again, it's a lot easier for the third person to do that than for the person that you want to know if you're trusted by directly. And, and the last thing to keep in mind is uh, will the person that you want to know if you're trusted by or not, will that person tell that third person you're asking? So again, that goes back to, do they really know? So there are several considerations here. Uh, I think that asking a third person gives you an objective, an external point of view that's not yours, that's not subjective. And it's probably easier to obtain than the person that you really care about whether they trust you or not but you have to keep in mind that they don't necessarily know uh when i worked in texas instruments when i took over a business unit uh, uh one day a third person actually reached out to me and told me your team your direct immediate directly reporting to you team four people they don't really trust you that much and, you know, he was pretty blunt and upfront, and I don't know how much of it he really did know, but uh, I took his advice and I followed it, and I, I think that I managed to improve something, and I didn't see it myself. And, and you know, after he told me, I, I looked at it, started looking for signals, 
And all of a sudden, I started seeing those signals. So it was really helpful. It was helpful for me. The third option, well, obviously, there's not too many options. If you can't ask them and you can't ask a third person, it leaves you with, uh, can you figure it out yourself? And in this episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a few tools, a few things, a few signals to look for to know if you're trusted or not. There are a few considerations you need to keep in mind because trust is relative. Again, that's one of the unique features of of my, at least, approach to trust, and that's that trust is relative. Uh, Trust law number three is that trust is personal. So... uh, Just like the same behavior that will cause one person to trust you could cause another person to distrust you, trust is personal. It has to be considered from that other person's perspective, not from your perspective. So this is where empathy plays a big role in your ability to see things from their perspective. If you're trying to be the one uh, analyzing whether this other person trusts you or not. So keep in mind that trust is personal, that you have to see it from their perspective as if you were them, not you. Keep in mind that uh, trust law number four, trust is asymmetrical. You know, we talk about trust as a two-way street. I trust you, you trust me, but it's not symmetrical. If you trust the other person, it doesn't mean that they trust you, or at least not at the same level, and vice versa. If you don't trust them, doesn't mean that they don't trust you. So Don't use the fact that you trust them or that you don't trust them to determine whether you believe that they trust you or not. The fact that you trust them does not mean that they trust you. So it's not a way out for you. Another thing is, uh, how do you measure trust? And I talked about that in uh, uh, season four, episode 10 of this this podcast. How do you measure trust? It's it's really hard to measure trust. And I, I use the black box approach. So trust law number eight, trust is the product of my trustfulness. I used the, the word trustability before, but, but it's not the right word. Trustfulness is the right word. So it's a product of the trust I have in you is the product of my trustfulness, which is my willing to trust other people. And your trustworthiness. And um, trustworthiness is really the input to this black box. Uh, It's, uh, you know, if I'm using the relative trust model, there are six components, the three components of who you are, competence, uh, uh, personality, compatibility, and the symmetry of the situation. And then there are the three components of what you do, positivity, that is uh, accelerated or decelerated by time and and, and uh, intimacy. So those are really the inputs. Those six are the inputs. And, and so the question that you can ask yourself to know if another person trusts you is, am I doing the things that would cause this specific other person to trust me? Again, the question to ask here is, do I really know? Uh, do I really have their perspective? Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I helped organizations uh, with a survey and they did a survey and uh, uh, people who thought that other people did not trust them, actually those other people did trust them. Uh, it's it just because when they thought that somebody else is not trusting them, they were not using the other person's perspective. And the other person's perspective, you know, we always think about, uh, I think I'm trusted, and I can't tell you how many times I heard people say, I'm trusted, my team trusts me. 
And when I talk to members of the team, I realize not even close. But, um, you know, you, you have to see that from their perspective, the other person's perspective. So that's that's very often that somebody believes that they're trusted. And in fact, they're not trusted. And that's a major issue. But you know what? Another issue that I've seen and, and is still an issue is when you think that you're not being trusted, where in fact you are. So again, uh, there are the six components and you know what you do on the six components. What you don't know is how the other person interprets that. Then we have trustfulness of the other person. I mean, that do they trust other people in general, period? I mean, I'm, I'm going to admit here that my trustfulness in general is lower than the average. I trust people less than the average. Um, now, the question is uh, their trustfulness for people like me. What does it mean, people like me? You are a member of multiple groups. It could be, uh, you know, you're a man. So you're a member of the group of men or you're a woman and you're a member of a group of women. Uh, you are an engineer. So you're a member of a group of engineer and the, the other per or, or marketing person or a salesperson. And the other person might have an overall trustfulness issue with that group of people that you belong to. So, you know, will they tell you that again? Not sure. But that's another component. We're still in the input side of things. And really now we're more kind of into the transformation because you, we got the inputs, we got the trust model, which is trust is trustfulness uh, times trustworthiness, uh, again, through the other person's eyes. And now it leaves us to uh, with the symptoms or the outputs. Those incorporate everything. So, you know, you may think that they trust your competence, what you don't realize is that they don't uh, feel uh, trust as a result of personality compatibility, or in other words, uh, they see it as a personality incompatibility, maybe even due to reasons you don't even know. So now you have uh, the symptoms. The symptoms are the output of all of this. Uh, and what I'll do in this episode, in the remaining time in this episode, is I'll talk about those symptoms. Always keep in mind, by the way, and this is the last consideration here, that uh, how much do you need to be trusted? So I'll go back. Law number one is trust is continuous. It's not a they trust me or they don't trust me. It's how much do they trust me? And, and even more specifically, and this is trust law number two, trust is contextual. What do you need to be trusted with? I mean, nobody is going to trust you with everything. Or I should say very, very few people will trust you with just everything. They don't know if you're good at something, but they're going to trust you with it because they trust you so much with other things, which, by the way, is another instantiation of trust law number five. The trust is transferable. So they trust you in one thing. Therefore, it transfers to trust you in another thing with another thing. But you, you have to ask the question is, what is it that I need them to trust me with and how much? So these are the considerations before you go and ask yourself, uh, do they trust me or do they not trust me? Uh, for the reminder of this uh, episode, I'll talk about those signs, those symptoms on the output of this black box that I call trust. So we're talking about symptoms and we're going to start with your boss. So here are signs that your boss doesn't trust you. And I'm giving you those signs so that you'll make a list and you'll start looking at how your boss treats you 
along these lines of these components, these, these symptoms, and it would help you determine whether they trust you or not. So the first one, I'm going to say the most obvious one, is they micromanage you. Again, I found in one of my studies a correlation of 67% between the level of trust they have in you and the level of autonomy they're going to give you, with autonomy being the opposite of micromanagement. I talked about that more in Season 6, Episode 12, the last episode of uh, the sixth season. So if you feel that they micromanage you, in uh, in autonomy, again, I'm using Teresa Amabile's definition. Autonomy is letting you decide how to climb a mountain, not letting you decide which mountain to climb. So uh, if you think that your boss is micromanaging you by uh, they're telling you what task you need to perform in general, that's not micromanagement. I mean, you can just do whatever you want to do at work. Uh, micromanagement is when they start telling you step by step, do this. Did you do that? Did you do? When did you do that? When are you planning on doing that? I mean, when, when it gets to that, that means that they don't trust you to do it right and to do it yourself. And again, there could be many reasons. One of them is personality incompatibility. And, and one reason for that could be that you're a procrastinator. And I'm not saying that procrastination is a bad thing. And again, I recorded a podcast episode on that as well. Procrastination is not a bad thing, but if you're a procrastinator and your boss is not, and your boss gets worried that that you're waiting for the last minute, um, and because of that, they don't trust you, it's a personality incompatibility issue that causes them to not trust you and micromanage you as a result. Okay, next, they tell you exactly how to do your job, which is, again, a part of uh, micromanagement. Uh, they want detailed reports, uh, you know, I don't just want to know that you reached a certain milestone. I want the details of that. Uh, again, it's kind of part of uh, micromanagement. And another part of micromanagement, uh, they constantly monitor you. Uh, you know, they pop up. I mean, God forbid they're, they're going to plan something in your laptop, uh, whether you know it or not. Well, if you don't know it, then you don't know that they don't trust you. But they want to see that you work. Uh, that, that you do your part, that, that you know, uh, that you show up when, when you show up and when you don't, and they care less about the results. Um, you have to ask for permission before you do anything. If they tell you that you have to ask for permission before you do anything, that means they don't trust you. If they insist on following strict policies, and, and again, you got to be careful with that because there are some policies that must be followed, period. And it's not only if, uh, you know, you're, you're in the defense industry and, and there's life and death uh, on the line by not following policies versus following them. But, but you know, there is a sexual harassment uh, policy that, that prevents employees. Well, you know, your boss demanding strictly that you follow these policies doesn't mean that they micromanage you doesn't mean that they don't trust you there is you have to keep in mind that there can be exposure to the company here is another interesting one they want everything done in writing you know often you want something done and, and if you trust the other person then their word is enough. When they say it's done, when they say I did it, 
uh, that means that they need that, that they're good without you writing it. When your boss tells you, I want everything in writing, everything you tell me, I want in writing, I want, I want it summarized very well. That could be a reason that they don't trust you. So they want to be able to use that piece of paper or email or whatever that you wrote later because they think that later you're going to change your mind and, and give a different story. So they want everything in writing. Now, again, this could be an issue of trustworthiness. This could be an issue of trustfulness by them that they just don't trust words verbal words they want everything in writing this could even be a, a a symptom of something else and that's their memory you know uh if if their memory is suffering if if they can't remember things they may ask you to put things in writing just so that later it'll be easier for them to remember because they're not going to remember what you said so that could not be a re it, you know everything that i talk about here about whether your boss, your employees, your peers trust you or not trust you, everything here is kind of cumulative. Each and every one of those could be a symptom of uh, something else rather, or a symptom of them not trusting you. And again, also remember, them not trusting you is not necessarily your trustworthiness. It could be their trustfulness so they just don't trust it's not just you it's it's everyone um you know when they time the time that you take your breaks and when you come to work when you go home um i i have to tell you something uh as a story i was working for this company and the company decided to implement this tool uh, i'm not going to name the the specific tool but it was a tool that timed the work that our engineers uh, we're working on a specific project versus another project. And it was so that they can allocate things. The thing is that I had a team that was working on a single project, only a single project. And so I said, look, wh what's the point in them writing that time if they're only working on that specific project? Uh, top management would not listen. CEO would not listen and said, no, you're going to implement it, period. Well, you know, a month goes by, uh, we have our budget manager showing up to our executive team meetings and reporting on uh, the allocation, time allocation by the engineers to the different projects. And, um, you know, at some point, and, and he always complained that uh, your engineers haven't filled all the reports and so on to everyone, not not to me, to, to everyone on the executive team, everybody who's running a team. And then one day he said to me, I don't get it, Yoram. You're the one person that very vocally, very passionately argued against your engineers uh, working on that. But your engineers actually are the best in filling those reports. How come? And so my answer to him is, if you check the time when they submitted the reports, you will see that my entire team submitted the report within the same 10 minutes or so. So he looked at it and he goes, yeah, you're right. So what, you do like a report filing party or something? I said, no. In fact, if you ask my employees, you know what they're going to tell you? They're going to ask you, what exactly is this tool? They never heard of this tool before. I filled it for them. So one part that a boss does take, that a leader does take, is to separate 
their employees from, pardon my language, from crap uh, that the organization uh, pushes down. So, uh, but when your boss is the person that says, I'm timing your breaks and, and there's no company requirement to do that, that's a sign that they don't trust you. Uh, when they seek a second opinion on everything you suggest, you know, you bring up something and they go, well, I want to run it by other people as well. Again, every one of those by itself may not be a sign that they don't trust you, but when you start getting a lot of those together, that's a sign that they don't trust you. Uh, they don't take your suggestions seriously. You know, you suggest something and they just don't take it seriously. It's like, okay, got it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Not going to uh, not gonna act on it. Um, they would rather do things themselves than ask you to do them. That's, that's a really bad sign. I mean, when your boss says, don't worry, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, that means they don't trust you to do it. Um, if you work remotely and they install a tracking or productivity software on your computer, that's a sign they don't trust you. Maybe the company forces them to do that. Uh, if it was me, I would stand between the company and you in making sure that something like this is not going to be in the way. But when your boss says, uh, I'm going to install something and I want to track uh, your productivity, your, your working time and hours and, and so on, those are signs that they don't trust you. Now, some can be contextual. Again, uh, trust law number two, trust is contextual. Some can be contextual. So I'm, I'm really going to push it to you and ask, do you have other signs? Think about, put yourself in your boss's position and ask yourself, what would be signs or what would I do if I trusted my employee? This time it's you. What would I do if I don't trust you? And start looking for those signs. Those may be signs more than the, I don't know, 13, 14 uh, that I gave you so far. So that's how you tell if your boss trusts you or not. Again, it's cumulative. Uh, you have to look at them at, as a range. But when you start seeing most of them, and they're not driven by the company, top-down by the company, uh, but actually by your boss, then those are signs that your boss doesn't trust you and not that they're simply fulfilling uh, their role as, as a boss, as, as a manager, as given by the company. Let's move on to talk about your employees. How can you tell that your employees don't trust you? And, you know, again, I'm going to have to admit when I worked at Texas Insurance and took over that business unit and my four direct employees didn't trust me, according to a third person who was right, I just failed to see it. And and they didn't tell me they didn't trust me because, uh, well, because they didn't trust me enough to give me that kind of feedback. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm putting too much of it on, on them, but but it, it was really on me. I'm, I'm going to admit that the way I was um, is, and maybe still the way I is, which is why I shouldn't ever be a leader again. Uh, but um, maybe it was it, it was because of how I behave and, and, and what I projected that, that kind of prevented them from coming to me and saying, you know, we have a trust issue. Well, uh, so what are the signs that your employees don't trust you? Again, nothing here. It, it, it's not binary. It's, it's uh, linear. It's kind of on a scale, uh, continuous. Um, 
it is contextual and um, you just it's a cumulative things a list of things here so it's not one of them might not be enough to say they don't trust me but if you start seeing a lot of them uh, ranking pretty high on the distrust uh, side then, then there is an issue so uh, how do you know that your employees don't trust you day one is they provide you with very detailed reports without you asking for it and and i remember that one of my employees really uh provided a lot of uh i mean it took him a day to write the weekly report just think about it from a productivity standpoint that's 20 percent of the week and you know he was a very hard worker so so he had very long days and he worked on weekends uh he was very dedicated um but he was really afraid that uh, if he doesn't provide a, a really detailed report then uh, then I'm going to ding him on something. And so he didn't trust me. So they provide detailed report. They ask permission before trying anything. When your employees try for every little thing, you know, it could be annoying to you where, I mean, you can come to me with every little thing to ask permission. Don't put it on them. It's probably you. They don't trust how you're going to react for them failing something, so they want to get permission for everything. They ask permission even when they don't have to. Every little thing. When they avoid giving you bad news and, and you have to hear about bad news from another source and, and you know that your employees knew that, they just didn't want to come to you, that means they don't trust you. They don't trust how you're going to react when they give you that piece of bad news. Um, they don't disagree with you. You know, you say something, nobody's going to disagree. Well, because they don't trust you for your reaction when they disagree. They don't feel comfortable disagreeing with you. Uh, remember, when I go back to constructive disagreement and, and the numbers for constructive disagreement, uh, people, when, when the level of trust is low, and I'll talk about that uh, in, in the next segment, but... Uh, when trust is low, people are 10, per, 10 times more likely to say that disagreements are unproductive, they don't feel comfortable disagree, uh, disagreeing with you, or they avoid disagreement altogether. That's, uh, you know, 10 times more if they don't trust you. Um, they don't ask questions that they think are stupid, so they're not willing to be vulnerable with you. And again, being vulnerable takes uh, <laughs> vulnerability goes up 240% if they trust you. Uh, and they're not willing to be vulnerable with you. You may want to ask yourself, what, what are you doing for that? Uh, they rarely suggest ideas exactly for the same reason. It's uh, I, I don't trust how you're going to treat me if the idea is a bad one. They don't ask for advice. They only ask for instructions. Uh, tell me exactly what you want me to do. Now, uh, I, I have to be. Uh, I have to be careful. Some people are like that, not because they don't trust you. It's because they really just want to execute. Those are executioners, not not in a bad way. Those are executioners. Tell them what to do. They need the instructions. They will follow them. They will love you for it. They will trust you for it. That's who they are. And this is why, again, I'm saying that all of those are cumulative. They never challenge you when you're clearly wrong. So you're going to say something that's wrong and nobody is going to say a word. Nobody is going to say anything. Why? Because they don't trust how you're going to react. They don't trust you on how you're going to react. 
They follow policies. They never challenge policies. They're afraid of what you're going to do if they challenge any existing policy. Policies that are not even coming from you. Policies that are coming from from somebody else, from from the company at the higher level. Um, And once again, you know, they want everything in writing. You're telling them to do something, not only that they want specific instructions, but they actually want them in writing. I don't know if you saw the movie uh, Clear and Present Danger. There was a part there, uh, a mission that was, uh, you know, off the books uh, to stop drugs. If I remember correctly, it was taking place in Colombia. And uh, I don't remember if it was the director of the CIA or somebody there near in the White House asked for a written letter that says, I'm asking you to do that. When somebody asks for your instructions to them to be in writing, it is most likely, I'm not going to say it's always, it's most likely because they don't trust you in what you will do if this action of theirs goes south. They believe you're going to throw them under the bus and they need a get-out-of-jail card from you with your signature on it that says, uh, this is what you instructed me to do. And, And I have it in writing. So if this went south, it's not me. Now, this could be them. I mean, this could be, remember, I told you that the uh, Liverpool Hope uh, Business School did a uh, study and uh, 78% of people in that study said that they want autonomy. That means 22% didn't. And maybe this is one of those people who does not want autonomy. They don't want to make their own decisions. So they're asking for your instructions. But again, Cumulatively, what does it mean? And, you know, the final point, again, I gave you, I think, uh, what is it, 10, 11 uh, different points here on uh, how do you know that your employees don't trust you. But again, put yourself in an employee's shoes. Well, it's it's more than in their shoes. Real empathy is your ability to see things from their perspective as if you were them, not just you in their shoes. So if you look at it from their side as if you were them, what would you do if you didn't trust the boss who really is you? What would you do? How would you act? How would you behave if you did trust your boss who's really you? And and there could be things that are beyond that list that I gave you. So think about those things and then start asking yourself, so are they doing those? Which, Which side of this are they? The side of high trust or the side of low trust? How do you know if your peers don't trust you? So you're within a team at a certain level in the organization, other members of that team, and maybe even people outside of the strict definition of a team, uh, but they're at your level. And so you don't work for them. They don't work for you. So a lot of the things that I talked about before do not apply, although some of them do apply. How do you know if a peer of yours doesn't trust you? And, you know, the level of trust that you have in a team is is really important to the productivity, the creativity of that team and, and a lot of things. Uh, and it makes it very important to the organization. So one is they don't include you in meetings. You know, just think about that. There is a meeting. They don't include you. That means they they do not not, uh, consider your input important. 
By the way, you, you know, there, there is no strict line uh, that says this is a symbol that a peer doesn't trust you and has nothing to do with the boss or an employee. Uh, those things are not that cut and dry. So every one of those components, even the ones I talked about as a boss or, or as a uh, your employee, uh, how do they? How do you know if they trust you? Would apply to team and and vice versa. Okay, so they don't include you in meetings. They hold meetings without inviting you. They don't disagree with you. Uh, you know, they don't have. You don't have to be their boss for them to say I don't disagree with you because I don't trust how he's going to react in a meeting. Some people are very dominant in meetings, and you know, other members uh, in that meeting at the same level as you might say, you know what, I, I'm just not going to disagree whatever and this is where instead of having the uh uh the uh meeting during the meeting you're having the meeting before the meeting or the meeting after the meeting um constructive disagreement is is a key signal of a strong productive and creative culture in a company and when trust is low and i mentioned it before people are 10% more likely to say that disagreements are unproductive, that they don't feel comfortable disagreeing, or they avoid disagreements altogether. So th this goes from 6% in a high-trust environment to 61% in a low-trust environment, that people are going to say that. When trust is high, people are 2.4 times, 141% more likely to say that they can disagree and it's not personal, uh, they can passionately disagree and remain friends. By the way, that last one, is 15 times more. So if trust is high, people are 15 times more likely to say um, that they're more that that they're they can disagree with you and it's not personal, or that they can passionately disagree and still remain friends. Uh, they talk about you behind your back. That's the meeting outside of the meeting. When you know that that's happening, that's because they don't trust you. They don't give you feedback even when you ask for it. And again, uh, the uh, willingness to give feedback goes up 106% if they trust you. If they don't give you feedback, that means they, they don't trust you. They don't take your feedback, the feedback that you give them seriously. People are more receptive to feedback. This is These things are based on my own survey a couple of years ago. Uh, they don't take your feedback seriously. People are 76% more uh, receptive to feedback when they trust the person giving them that feedback. They would rather do things themselves than ask you to do them because they don't trust how you're going to react or how you're going to do them, how good, how well you're going to do them. Uh, they're not willing to be vulnerable with you. Again, they don't have to be your employees to not be willing to be vulnerable with you. It's not because you're the boss, you're their peers, and they still are not willing to be vulnerable with you, share personal things, ask stupid questions, suggest stupid ideas when you're in the room. That goes up 240% if they trusted you. And once again, can you think of more? And, you know, you're going to have to put yourself in specific people's positions, not, not just in general. There, there is no general here. I already told you that. Trust is relative. It's not universal. It's not absolute. So you have to put yourself in every person's, uh, see things from every person's perspective to determine whether they trust you or not. Uh, and then again, uh, the same behavior that would cause one person to trust you could cause another person to distrust you. So you have to look at a specific person and ask yourself, what would that person do if they trusted me? What would they do 
If they didn't trust me, what are they doing in reality? What does this mean in terms of do they trust me or not? Sometimes it, it's so much simpler in that you want to be trusted with something very, very specific. And the other person, whether it's your boss, your employee, your, your peer, is not willing to trust you with that or, or showing you that they're not trusting you. So, you know, we're not looking for a symbol, for, for a symptom. We're actually looking to be trusted in something very, very specific, and they don't trust you. So, you know, this could be a specific task of, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, you're organizing a TED Talk and uh, uh, somebody or somebody's organizing and your task is to or you want your task to be putting together the entire PowerPoint and they're not willing to let you do that. So, you know, we don't we don't have to start looking at uh, do they invite me to meetings and so on and so forth. There is something, a very specific task. And again, because trust is contextual, you, you may want to care about a very specific task. And so why aren't you trusting me with that? You know, so how do you get them to trust you with that? First of all, use the six-component relative trust model. The who you are, competence, personality, compatibility, and uh, symmetry. And what you do in terms of positivity uh, accelerated by time and intimacy. And positivity is made of the level of BS and uh, the uh, empathy that you show in that. Well, um, so now that you know this model, you at least know what questions to ask. Uh, to ask of them because you know what affects their trust in you or not. But you know, uh, I'm kind of going back to just ask, what would it take for you to trust me to do this? When you ask this question, first of all, they may have never thought about this question of, of uh, oh, you know what? I, I didn't realize, first of all, I didn't realize that when I didn't let you do this, uh, I, I missed the point that you wanted to do that. You know, that, that could be a, a, something you, you misinterpreted. You thought they don't trust you. They just didn't know that you wanted to do that. Um, so that takes it off the table. Uh, but the second thing is now maybe they will realize that, uh, you know, if now that I think about that, no, I actually think I can trust you with that. I just never thought about that, you know, maybe because trust is transferable. I didn't trust you with something else. Hopefully they'll tell you that. And it transferred into, I don't trust you with this either. Um, And maybe now they realize that those are two different things and maybe they can trust you with that. Another value of asking them, what would it take for you to trust me to do X, whatever X is, is that the fact that you're asking is an indication that you might be trusted. You know, just just by showing that this matters to you, that you really care about being trusted. Uh, And, you know, they may tell you, and you may actually start a dialogue after which they're going to say, you know what, I'm willing to give it a chance, to to give it a try. And and I'm going to trust you with that. And, you know, maybe it's not going to be as much trust as you would want to have. So maybe they will micromanage you just a little. Maybe they would want to have uh, interim reports a little more than uh, than usual and so on. But that's better than them not letting you do this task at all. Well, this brings us to the end of uh, this, um, this episode of The Trust Show, the first episode of the ninth season. Um, 
it's longer than I thought it will be, but, uh, you know, I want to share as much as I can let you think about that. You can always listen to it again. Uh, I wanted to talk about a few uh, other exciting things that are coming up. Uh, first, in the trust show itself, I'll talk about... Uh, how do you know if you can trust someone, which was a request from you? So, uh, you know, for, we're, I'm not going to say forget about being trusted by others because it's it's really important and it's the thing that you can affect the most. But uh, how do you know if you can trust somebody else? So I'll, I'll have an episode on that. Um, we're going to have, uh, I'm going to have an episode or episodes on uh, laws, ethics, and trust. How did, do they uh, relate? I talked about that uh, some time ago, especially in personality compatibility, but I'll, I'll dedicate an episode to that. Um, I'll do another episode on employee reference letters or references in general. You know, when uh, a company wants to hire somebody, uh, they ask for references. They go and check with the prior employer. There's a whole issue on how you address reference letters. And um, I think one of the stories I'm going to use is the stories of uh, the Continental Flight 1713 uh, from Denver in 1987 that crashed. And how it boiled down to the reference that Continental got from a prior employer. So that's, uh, I think that's probably intriguing enough for you to listen when it comes out. Um, but I'm also going to, oh, I'm, I'm going to talk about uh, trust in HR. HR is one of the departments in the company that's not very trusted. And not because the people there are not trusted. It's kind of, well, there, there are multiple reasons. And this episode is actually going to be a new kind of episode that I'll do. Uh, and that's an episode where I'm going to actually have a, um, a discussion with someone. So it's not, it's not an interview episode. It's going to be a discussion episode. Uh, call it the discussion with an expert, a conversation. So uh, Fiona uh, told you about her at the beginning of this uh, episode. Um, she's uh, out of the Netherlands and uh, we're going to, I'm going to, again, not interview her. We're going to have a discussion. She, uh, a lot of her professional life was in HR and we'll talk about the trust that people have or don't have in HR. Uh, a few other things that, that are pretty uh, exciting are... Um, a workshop that I'm going to be delivering later this month on uh, trust in HR and how HR can help other people in the organization be more trusted. Um, another topic that's kind of started taking over my life is the uh, uh, relationship between trust and artificial intelligence or robots. Can you trust artificial intelligence? Can you trust robots? Uh, you may have heard of the uh, letter, the open letter that was initiated by Elon Musk, and I believe by now signed by about 50,000. Steve Wozniak, one of the founders of Apple with Steve Jobs, um, signed that letter too. And they're asking for a six-month moratorium on any artificial intelligence uh, development because of worries of trust, really, with this technology. Um, so it, kind of a variation of it, uh, Chad GPT, uh, I just uh, interviewed in a uh, TV show by McQuistian TV that uh, actually will air today in less than uh, two hours, but uh, there's a link. It's already on YouTube. You can find it there. And uh, the last thing is I have a TED Talk coming. I mentioned that, I think, uh, in two weeks. Today, I will take the stand on my third TED Talk, and this one is 
Uh, again, it's related to a podcast episode I recorded in uh, Season 8. And the title of this uh, specific TED Talk is going to be Three Reasons Why You Should Trust Your Students with ChatGPT. I'll see you in the next episode. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.